liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows just don't get treated like a hoe Ladies and gentlemen, today we welcome one of three men who inspired me to create this show, joining Dave Smith and Joe Rogan in the pantheon of my podcast, Guest Sheet Bucket List. He went from sexiest man on earth to sexiest pipes in podcasting. This is Liberty Lockdown, and this is the great podfather himself, Mr. Adam Curry. (laughs) Hey, man, how you doing? It's great to be here. (laughs) Pleasure. I, uh, Sorry, I have to do really over-the-top intros when I have guests that... Uh, no, I like that. I, I I want you to travel with me everywhere and just pre-announce me. <laughs> <laughs> and add the honorable. It's very nice. Nice touch there. The the honorable podfather, yes. Indeed, indeed. Um, so I, I first thought I had when I, when I thought about having you on is, you know, you have done something that I think is pretty rare. You have impacted the culture for going on four decades now, maybe five, I don't know, uh, have you considered that? I mean, you went from MTV VJ during the height of their powers and then the RSS feed. And now with no agenda, it seems as if you are really leaving a, an indelible mark on history. Have you considered that? Well, this is very kind of you to say. Um, and I honestly, yes, I considered that as uh, I uh, two years ago, just before the lockdown, Enough people had said, you should write a book that I sat down and said, let me see if I can write a book. And so I started writing and I actually realized that I've had this path that started. It really started for me when I was a kid. I built my first FM radio transmitter when I was uh, 15. And, uh, you know, my mom drove me around the block, see how far my signal would uh, would reach listening to the car radio. And and, you know, I started hooking up microphones and and other equipment and, uh, and, you know, the kids in the neighborhood, they were like, Hey man, we're hearing your signal. Like, okay. And so before I knew it, I had a little radio station. So I was a, a radio pirate really before, uh, before I went legit, uh, for, for, for some pretty big stations actually in, uh, in Europe where I grew up in the Netherlands. Um, and, uh, the, uh, w- w- what I realized is that I couldn't write this book because I hadn't really lived the last chapter, not that I'm planning on dying anytime soon, but, uh, and, and that last chapter was really almost full circle for me where we're back with podcasting 2.0, which is 18 years after we launched the original podcasting concept, Dave Weiner and I, um, and, and this time I'm leaving something behind, uh, because I'm leaving, uh, a complete decentralized index um, so that you, know, you can't be deplatformed, uh, that that index is available for any developer to create uh, podcast apps and experiences. And we've tied into that streaming payments, uh, which are uh, the Lightning Network, which is Bitcoin. And so that's uninterruptible money. And, that, and, and so now, uh, and this was kind of on my radar uh, a little over a year ago when we started, I said, you know, this thing that we put together, it was decentralized to start with, but Apple's got a lot of power in this equation. And we've got Spotify saying they're going to be the master of all things podcasting. I'm like, no, no, hold on a second. So we, we fixed that. Um, and 
And what has come out of that is something much bigger than even I expected, which is a, a distributed or really decentralized digital rights system, which can be the future for all kinds of um, content moving forward outside of the traditional infrastructure of Silicon Valley-based companies outside of the, if you prefer, outside of necessity for advertising. Um, and uh, yeah, really completely independent. And, and, and I think that there's very little of that left. And podcasting seems to be, seems to be the literal free speech that is still uh, possible that cannot just be taken down by anybody. So uh, I hope that has an impact. It is my intent to leave that part as the impact. All the other stuff, is great. I love bumping into people who grew up with watching me on MTV. We grew up together. I was quite young. Right. Um, and, and we witnessed and we experienced something together that you can't explain to anyone who wasn't there. Right. Uh, and it was, it was, it was, a, it was a, in a massively cool time. And what I enjoy, of course, is, you know, I'm 57. So now I bump into people, you know, it's the weirdest ones. It's always the CEO, you know, and, the, and they don't, they don't, my hair's short now, so they don't see it. But Adam Curry is like, and it dawns on him, like, wait a minute, headbangers ball. You know, the tie comes off, the shirt goes open, Metallica t-shirt. And uh, so that's always, that's always super fun, of course. And I'm very, very proud of the work, the work that we all did back then. It was super fun. It was great. But now, uh, now we're playing for keeps. It's, uh, you know, I'm old enough to understand what the heck is going on. And I think I'm in a position to help and we're, I'm doing that. And I'm, I'm, and at the same time, you know, odd way, I'm having an incredibly good time doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that what you just described with podcasting 2.0 plus no agenda, if I, if I do say so myself, I, I really think is going to be, um, you know, the, the final chapter to your memoir, if you will, it, it's like, that is, it's, it's, impacted so many people and and i i hope you feel that you know in in hindsight because like for me for instance i've always been you know an independently minded critical thinking type person but having been a no agenda listener for i don't know six years or something like that now uh, i now come across to people as if i'm psychic you know <laughs> you're from the future you're from the future yes i know it's great <laughs> It, it really, it really is incredible. I mean, it, the way it has reprogrammed my mind and my analysis, it's not just that I am capable of identifying bullshit in the moment, but I am also capable now of identifying the steps that are coming down the path. And uh, I'm sure that's happened to you as well. Were you like this prior to the show or has it been the, the coverage of the media that kind of increased your ability in this regard? Well, no agenda is, is very special because of, uh, our background. So John C. Dvorak comes from uh, uh, tech journalism. Uh, he's a columnist. He's written books. Uh, he's done television. He's done radio. So he's done a, a plethora of, of media. And particularly, I, I think would say his expertise is much more on publishing and understanding how, uh, how that world works. Um, uh, but we both, of course, you know, come from media. So I come from radio and from television and we know how it works. So we know the bullshit, all the stuff, you know, all the how how executive producers talk and how things just happen, whether it's good or bad uh, for the viewers. It's just that we, we know the business. So for me in 2007, just before we started, my aha moment came. The Internet was fast enough to be, you know, researching stuff with any decent speed. I was living in London at the time. And I had, I did have a company in San Francisco and I was flying back and forth every couple of weeks is how I met Dvorak. 
Um, but the Lisbon Treaty had finally been signed, uh, which was the was going to be the constitution for the European Union. And the way it was being, and it was a funny document because it, first of all, it wasn't really a constitution. It was the Lisbon Treaty. Um, no, no constitution word. Uh, and, you know, France rejected it. And then, you know, the, the Starfleet command went, yeah, yeah you, you didn't understand uh, France. You should vote again. And then Ireland had to vote again. You know, so it was, it was a whole thing. No one, it just, it shouldn't have really happened, but it did. But that was fun to watch regardless. Um, but then I started reading it and this was the way it was being sold in the media was you're all going to uh, have the same money. That's going to be great. Same money. Yeah, don't have to change your money. I was naive. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. You know, you went until you realize how important it is for a country to have its own money. There's a lot of economic issues and especially in the central banking system where that's quite handy. And so I, you know, but that was not what people were being told. And the other one was you won't need a passport to go uh, to other countries or to work in another country. And people thought this was great. And I thought it was also, awesome. okay, this seems great. United States of Europe. Oh, no, no, it's not like that. You know, <laughs> it's going to be different. Well, it turns out it's very different because the states have sovereignty. And in the Europe, it's like done. They even just recently reiterated how the European Parliament has precedent over, um, uh, over the, the local states, uh, which would be the European countries. So I, I saw this happening. I'm like, wow, what an incredible scam. I, there was, I remember specifically relevant to today. Um, there were two items in the protocols, which were never discussed. And the protocol, one that I, caught my eye was if you're running away from police authority, law enforcement, and they kill you, that's a legit kill. I thought that was un-European. Wow. And the other one was if you have a communicable disease, who knew about COVID back in the day, but if you have a communicable disease, then we can pick you up and we can lock you up. Mm. And even then I thought, well, shit, you know, it's not like we're living in, uh, in the days of, uh, you know, mass flu or anything. I wasn't thinking that this was 2000, whatever. Um, simultaneously, another, a book came out called legacy of ashes, which was written by Tim Weiner, Weiner, um, uh, formerly of New York Times. He wrote some other books. I don't think they were as good, but this was very good. It was about the CIA. And uh, my uncle, Don Gregg, who was very high in CIA, he was a uh, national security advisor to Bush Sr. And a great guy. Loved the guy. Uncle Don. Uncle Don, exactly. <laughs> um, and I, so I call, I said, Uncle Don, uh, is this true? And he says, yeah, that's pretty much how I remember it. I'm like, oh, okay. So it just blew my mind. It's like, wait, none of this is being communicated. And so when John and I started talking, just because we had met um, and we liked the challenge of what we knew of each other, we'd do a Skype call once a week or something and catch up and read what was going on in the, on, in the newspapers mainly. Oh, here's what the news is saying here. And we found out these discrepancies, what U.S. news report, re would report about Europe and vice versa. Uh, and then we decided to record it and turn it into a show. So uh, to answer your question in a long roundabout way, uh, I think that just because of what we do, we were doing, we've always been doing it for each other. It's like, look at this bull crap that I found out. Listen, <laughs> this, listen to this shit. Listen to this edit. Oh my God, they pulled it out of context. What? That's not a great question. You know, that's, so we play 50 clips in three hours and we're just riffing on, I mean, and we don't know what the other guys bring in. John has 20, 25 clips. I got 20, 25 clips. You know, we don't know. It's a, it's a total performance between two people who just try to figure it out. And sometimes it goes better than not. You know, we're also human beings and we get upset with each other. And, and I sure. think everyone's kind of lived through all these things. But that, that's what I think makes it good. 
Uh, also, we don't pre-discuss anything ever. Um, I, so, I, I always marvel at the fact that you guys, you know, without having prior conversations, you gel so well together with the clips. I mean, certainly there's some duplicates and things like that, but it really is amazing. I mean, it's, rarely, actually rarely is there a duplicate. You're right. Yeah. It, 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 more often than not, it flows from one to the other. And I don't even think about what John will do. I never have to think, oh, he'll have this <laughs> clip. I said, oh, maybe he will. Unless someone emails us the clip and both of us are on the email. I hate that because typically it never gets played because, <laughs> because like, oh, John will have it. Adam will have it. It doesn't happen. Um, so I think that with our own, by showcasing our own deconstruction, that's really what we do. We deconstruct the media. We've taught people how to look at it. What has come out of that is exactly what you said. And in particular, the last 24 months, every day, and it's, it's, uh, it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be a podcaster, strangely enough. Um, I receive five or maybe 10 emails from people who say, just want to let you know how important you've been during this shitty ass pandemic time, because at least I knew I wasn't crazy. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's like, no one has to agree with everything, but I knew I wasn't crazy in some of the things I was thinking and, uh, and uh, received a lot of those every single day. And that really, um, that affects me much more than, uh, than anything, any kind of broadcast work I've ever done. You know, I used to get naked pictures. I love you, you know, <laughs> panties as you open in your intro. It was a long time ago. Uh, and, and so now when you get something like that, like, you know, uh, even people say, you know, we've been listening to your show. And uh, we decided we're going to homeschool our kids. <laughs> I was like, wow. You know, it's like, don't take advice from us because we're not giving it. I said, no, no, no. But just, just by listening to um, your experience. So we've been around the world. You know, we, we know stuff and we tell stories. And so that impact um, is, uh, I, it's, I, I have no words, literally. I, who knew? When I grew up making throwaway content, you know, a top 40 radio MTV. It's like, you know, eh, you do it, it's gone. You know, it, it's not, it's not, although funny enough, you look on YouTube, a lot of it never went away. <laughs> the hair <laughs> always stays with me. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 this is no longer throwaway content. People right. really, it's important to them. And we have these feedback loops, you know, we have social media to feedback in and and, and different ways that we didn't have previously. It was literally, I used to get sacks of postcards and letters. You know, there was no email. That was it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it, let me tell you, it's uh, not only have you kept me sane, but because of your inspiration, I now started a show that now keeps other people sane too. So like you have a, a butterfly effect of sanity inducement. I mean, that's, that's a pretty powerful thing. And, and I get, I get, you know, probably 10 a month, you know, it's, it's really incredible how, how appreciated we are because there's so much, there's so much bullshit in the media to get any semblance of critical thought and honesty. Even if I'm wrong, you know, people understand that I'm trying to tell the truth and I'm sure people feel the same way about your show. So it's really powerful. I wanted to bring up one thing. I think probably the only thing I disagree with you guys on, and it's probably more John than it is you, but he, he consistently talks about um, how printing money, you just print money and it's fine. Ha has the past, you know, six months or, or a year with inflation starting to tick up, has that shifted either your opinion or his? I don't want you to speak for him, but it seems to me that we are starting to see evidence that there are cracks in this, uh, this premise that MMT is acceptable. Uh, well, John, as long as I've known him, 
Um, and I would say this goes back to 2000. Well, I've known him much longer than that, but the 2009, 2008, 2009 crisis, he would consistently say they're doing it wrong. They should be doing trillions and trillions of dollars right now. Right. Um, and he could be he is a student of monetary, you know, modern monetary theory and economic theory. And he has, you know, but he's not a, an Austrian economics guy by any any means at all. Right. Today's episode of Liberty Lockdown is brought to you by our friends over at the Daily Job Hunt. If you are in jeopardy of losing your job, now is the time to sign up. Go to crash.co forward slash daily to sign up for the Daily Job Hunt. The Daily Job Hunt is just a once daily newsletter that hits your inbox email every morning for free, costs you nothing, gives you some information, inspiration, fires you up on how to go get that job of your dreams. If you are in jeopardy of losing your job or if you simply want to improve your station in life to look after your family during the apocalypse, now's your chance. Go to crash.co forward slash daily to sign up for the daily job hunt newsletter. <laughs> that, that That is our clash here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand. Um, I, for my money, because, you know, all, I would say that not long after I, uh, you know, after the Lisbon Treaty and Legacy of Ashes and the Fed by uh, Ron Paul was, uh, you know, a beautiful little book. And, and so that really helped me understand how central banking operates and fractional reserve banking. The, uh, the difference, and I have a very good friend, uh, the former New York banker, mm-hmm. um, and we disagree on pretty much everything. But he has been very patient in explaining to me the modern monetary theory system. And in essence, what we're in is the, the Japanese debt trap, um, because the money being printed is being printed as bank reserves. Uh, and so that's that's more of a Treasury thing than a Fed thing. So there's. And it's it, there's um, technically it is. Um, uh, the money is immune is what they call it. Hmm. So uh, for me, even though I see what people mean by modern monetary theory, and indeed you look at Japan and so that's just kind of like a a flatline, you know, they're they're not going to die, but they're flatline. The only thing they need to do is create more people and they're not doing that. So that country is dying out. And, and by the way, I don't think we're doing much better with creating more people. Yep. Um, from my, from my mind, what happened to me is a couple of years ago, uh, I really focused on Bitcoin and said, all this stuff, all these flows, you know, the stuff that my friend, the banker understands, you know, that takes years to really have an overview of how all this crap, works and it's leveraged and in essence there's one thing he will agree with me on is it's kind of maxed out <laughs> this there's no real other way to go other than just massive um creation of reserves uh, but that's a problem because you know we, we the banks can't have that money just sitting around it goes back overnight i mean it's a mess and I don't, and I don't think anyone really wants to even fathom that that could break. When you, this is a good time right now, when you hear politicians talk about raising the 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 debt limit, the debt ceiling, um, yeah, and you can see the ones that will never understand really how it works because they say, well this is crazy. It's just a formality. Of course we raise the debt limit. I mean, hello, that's, that's the system. And it is in effect true. The system is, uh, money has to be created to keep the whole world going through the United States. That's just the system. And the politicians who don't question that 
you know, it's it would take them years, I think, to to see the light to say, well, no, you know, that's not great. And here we are with three and a half trillion dollars. Uh, well, really, it's I guess it's five if you take all, both bills together mm-hmm. and um, we're going to uh, tax people who make over four hundred thousand dollars. Oh, please. Now, please stop insulting me with that, you know, and then saying that, well, businesses that raise the prices because they pay more taxes, that's un-American. They'll never do that. Uh, really? Well, that's what you do. So, um, so if, for if me, capitalism, if capitalism is American, then that is very American, because if you're totally, cost, if your cost totally. increase, you raise your prices. Sorry, totally. Psaki. No, I, th- I think that Jen Psaki thought that, you know, that the that the taxation will be met with a, an air of patriotism or something like that. <laughs> so don't price gouge on your patriotic uh, duty of paying more taxes. So um, for me, uh, I that is not even an argument that's interesting. It's like I think Bitcoin fixes this and I don't know how long it will take if we'll ever see it happen. Uh, but I really enjoy the older millennial 28, 29 year olds who are working their asses off building infrastructure, you know, getting shit set up in El Salvador. All right. If we can get one country to agree, well, we'll take El Salvador. Who cares? (laughs) Right. Right. Whatever. You've got to appreciate it. Yeah, no, I do. It's, it's probably the biggest white pill that's out there right now or the most hopeful. Um, I'm also a Bitcoin guy. So I, I think that that's, that gives us some hope that if if I'm correct that you know if Austrian economics is correct that you can't print into oblivion and, and not have an issue, um, then we have you know a plan B. And if you're aware of that, then you can kind of adopt it early. I wanted to ask what what is your thesis? I, obviously, you've you've covered a lot of really sinister, dark stuff over the past couple of years. I I think I probably have a decent idea, but who who is running this controlled demolition of liberty across the globe? Is it is it the Schwab and WEF people? Is it the Illuminati? Like, do you have an opinion as to, uh, or is it all of them working in tandem? Is it totally random? What do you think? Wow. I think there's always, I, even if I could say, oh yeah, this is obviously the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, you know, which may, may be to a degree extremely true. Right. Um, you know, then I just for my own sanity have to say, well, who do they answer to? And before you know it, I'm on, flat earth land, you know, and silicon <laughs> trees and, uh, and the upside down world and firmament first. So I'm very careful with that. What I do see playing out. And by the way, I love exploring all of those ideas too. What, what I, what I see is that uh, big groups are just kind of working together and it's uh, it's, or, it's, or, it feels organic. I don't think there's necessarily a, meeting that was had between the pharmaceutical industry, the healthcare industry, industry, which is really um, uh, banking because it's, it's really just about insurance and, and, and pay and money flow uh, and uh, politicians, because in fact, they've been in bed together for decades and decades. And we, we really didn't pay attention. Um, uh, we, and I say, we, uh, my, my generation wasn't really paying attention to who was running for the school board. You know, it's like, I don't know. And, you know, before you know it, some idiot slipped in. Now, how, how did they get in? Well, they come from universities. And this, I think we can attribute to uh, money is the big foundations who say, OK, here's your here's an endowment. We're going to give you a uh, hundred million dollars, uh, but you can only spend it on lessons that are 
of social equity, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so, so when you have that happening, and I, I think we do have a, a generation that is completely um, sees the world, they're over-socialized and under-informed. Uh, and the over-socialized is a heavy emphasis because that's what they're getting in uh, in the universities. And so they come out and they're so, again, over-socialized, which means you have to be so careful, don't rub anyone the wrong way, that when um, when the Wall Street sees this programming, which you can put under the heading of environment or social, so uh, environmental, social, let's add a G for governance. So now all of a sudden you have uh, an up and coming generation who have been taught yet you really should only invest in things that are good. And that means they have to have an ESG rating, which is completely made up by Wall Street. It's completely, <laughs> completely arbitrary. They created their own little board, their own foundations, their own determinations, their own formulas for what is good economic social governance and you're not investable if uh, if not so now you have these groups playing off of each other so it's more of a dance that, that people are involved in mm-hmm. um, pharma wants to make a lot of money um, uh, but so does uh, the, the healthcare uh, insurance industry uh, there was a lot of money being being whipped up you know we there was lots of money for just labeling someone covid you know, there was money, money, money flowing everywhere. And that is also the American way. I think we're, we're, uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly as American, I'm honest enough to say that's what we do and it sucks and we need to change that behavior, but it's happening everywhere. I mean, I have, I've lived in other countries, I know people. And so this is the same. When you bring in the World Economic Forum, that's really the money people with, you know, the Schwab, you know, who just, I, I mean, if he looks like a duck and walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, the guy's a freaking Nazi. Look at him. He's scary. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, I read his book. I read his Great Reset. Um, that's, a, that's a group of people who realize that the system has run out, that they can't really do it any other way. We need to um, create whole new industries, whether they're good for us or not. And they, and they settled on climate change. And they settled on solar and and wind and other things. And to get us there, to get us there, they will go to any ends of the earth. So they will pull plugs on power. They will pull plugs on supply chains. They will pull mainly coal. They will pull plug on anything to build the narrative that, oh, my God, if we don't do this, we're all going to die. And um, the... The one that that just blows me away, although I predicted this was a, a likelihood, is the vaccination mandates and and proving it. Yes. And I I really don't believe the United States is seventy five percent fully vaccinated. I don't buy it anymore. Ooh, mm-hmm. I'd use the Dvorak. I I don't. I really don't think that that's true. I think they've been lying to us. Mm-hmm. And 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 the reason I say this is now I look. Everyone's real quiet about this. What's happening with Southwest Airlines with the Pilots Association? So this is a sick out. This is basically a wild strike, which is very problematic for their, because you know, they're quasi-government uh, companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, you know, this is this is where it comes. This is where it comes down to the wire. This is who we are as as people that we still have some kind of borders. And 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 pilots are typically a, a really 
supportive group. So I think that, you know, either a whole bunch of vaccinated pilots are supporting these guys or, you know, saying, oh, don't worry, it's 80 percent fully vaccinated anyway. I don't believe it. I think they're lying. I think there's, yeah. there's far fewer people fully vaccinated. I think I think you're right. And if <clears throat> I've been following this story for 48 hours now, I was one of the first people that got the screenshot of a text saying that Jacksonville uh, TSA or not TSA, but uh, air traffic TSA. control yeah, had, had walked off or, or, you know, called in sick. And I, I think that it, what's interesting is today I saw some screenshots of additional text saying that, you know, many of these pilots are former military. They are they are basically responding because they understand that that they're going to come for them first and then all of us next. And they and they are still taking their their, you know, declaration that they will defend the American people from enemies, foreign and domestic to this oh, job a as point. a pilot. I, yeah, I, I, I would totally, totally believe that. But I'll tell you, I know plenty of pilots, also uh, Southwest Airlines pilots mm -hmm. uh, who were like that. And they've not been in the military because they're Americans. Well, that's and beautiful. They, and, yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. And, and I said from day one, hey, man, when I've, I've been I'm not a, a big, uh, a big airplane pilot, but I've been a helicopter pilot and fixed wing right. pilot for 15 years, maybe going on 20. And, you know, the joke was not just a joke, but when you're flying, you got your, your pilot, your first officer, you don't have the same meal. <laughs> Why? Mm -hmm. Well, it's fucking obvious <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, because you know, the, you, the people might get sick from the fish. Well, good. I had the shitty ass uh, pasta. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, if you have everybody vaccinated and it's still experimental enough to not know the long-term effects. I mean, sure. every single time I read about something happening with aviation or with a train derailment or a sub crash, I'm like, man, I hope it wasn't someone keeling over. You know, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, um, no, that's, that's an interesting point. I, I actually have a uh, <laughs> I have a red book submission, which I have been wanting to give you forever. Okay. The fact All that right. I get to do one of these um, right. and I came, I came up with it just yesterday and it's kind of going viral on Twitter right now. I said that Biden will push the DOJ to criminalize walkouts from employees at vitally necessary industries under the guise of national security. What do you think about that one? Uh, well, I think that's already true for um, the, uh, any corporation that falls under the Railway Act. And oh, which does, is the do air, airlines? Which is the airlines? Yes, they do. Oh, they, they do. do. Oh, yeah. wow. Then, then just check so, it off. It's already in the book. <laughs> pretty much. But no, but what you're saying is an extension. And that that would be very much in line with the with the marketing communications they've used consistently by saying, you know, you are a uh, an essential business. So it could be that walking out of an essential business, which could have nothing to do with the Railway Act. Uh, oh, yeah. But, you know, the, the, the cool thing that's happening right now is, as far as I know, there is no written mandate that corporations have to do this. Right. Um, if you are uh, a government organization or a contractor, which is a large group, no doubt. Yes. You know, that's been mandated um, through because you're a government. Mm -hmm. But as far as I know, there's no OSHA ruling yet. No, nothing has been written. There's no, certainly no executive order that says that companies with 100 employees or more have to mandate vaccination. That does not exist yet, as far as I know. So this is this is even crazier and very reminiscent of, I'm sure you remember me talking about this, uh, in the Garden of Beasts, which is, mm. which is, you know, a book about 
a family growing up, uh, a diplomatic family in Germany just before the, you know, the, the outbreak of World War II and how they saw people conforming, just doing my job, just following orders. It's good for everybody. We're doing for the old people. We're doing it for the healthcare. We're doing it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, it, it, it reminds me of Solzhenitsyn's warnings in the Gulag Archipelago that, you know, had, had we just acted sooner, we could, we could likely have defeated this thing before it got to a point of absolute despair. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful that that's what these, these walkouts and these sick outs are, is that people are realizing if we don't take a stand at some point, I, I've been screaming for months now, do not comply. But once the vaccine mandate came out, I really like put every, like every ounce of my soul into declaring, I will not ever comply with this because it is a red line that we will never recover from. I really believe that. Do you, do you view it as seriously? Yes, I do. Uh, I think this has been the plan all forever. Uh, this is because absolute power corrupts absolutely. And they, they, you know, they would be those in power, certainly those who have been there in power longer. Um, they'd love nothing more to have people. They, they live on a different plane. They, they don't feel the same way you and I do. I've been around enough politicians. It's like, um, it's like celebrities, you know, when you're super, super, super famous, you live on a, a different plane. Things happen uh, like plane, like a different level. Right, right. You, right. you know, you, you you literally are not in touch with other uh, other groups, and it's I mean, it's what it is. Uh, but you can you can learn. You can go in and out from that. It's not that hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the the idea of uh, a digital ID that is under control of the government and not Silicon Valley is extremely appealing to the government. They really, 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 really want their hands on the data. They want it. They want to have all the cool shit. Um, a lot of those people are coming into government um, and it's great. It's much easier to control. And I'm, I don't even think people realize how evil it really is. I th- it's where they're in a, in a, in a mass hypnosis state which has been induced by this incredible fear that has been ginned up but the the crazy thing is and we're going to get there eventually i see it at least um uh i i'm all for regulating uh, uh facebook twitter instagram I regulate the hell out of them as much as possible please 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 because i've seen the exodus i've seen every single time people go somewhere else you know oh aol okay this is this is i've told the story but I registered MTV.com when I was at MTV, 1993, uh, 92, I don't remember. And I was using it. And, and I went to them and said, I want to, is it okay if I do this? It's MTV.com. Uh, I'm just running a little serve myself, not charging any money, but I, I can get emails. I can put up a little web. They didn't know what a website was. And I said, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. Don't worry about you and your internet. We've got the AOL keyword. We have nothing to fear. So... You know, and and it was like it was a done deal. Like, well, shut up, Curry, you're dumb. Later, of course, they sued me for it, which was a whole nother story. Doesn't surprise um, me. <laughs> well, the lawsuit between MTV Networks and Mr. Curry has been settled out of court, and neither party has any further comment. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, we worked I, it I, out. I, I wanted to ask you real quick: uh, Did you ever get uh, clarity from Joe Rogan on how Ulsterholm? became the medical professional that was on his show so early on it, that because that's stunning to me i forgot to ask i will next okay. time i see him i'll ask. i did talk to him i, I remember the last time i was there saying man that guy really kicked it off and i remember joe going yeah what the fuck 
but I forgot <laughs> to ask how he how he weaseled his way in. Uh, I but I will. Uh, I'm I'm afraid to ask because you know that's a booking thing, and I don't want to fuck with the booking process. I got to keep keep getting booked. <laughs> of course, of course. No, I I don't I don't jeopardize anything uh, for for my own curiosity. But that is a really intriguing question because that guy was such an over the top fear monger about all this stuff, and the fact that he was on such an enormous platform so early on, kind of out of the out of nowhere, like no one really knew who he was, at least in my world. Um, no, I agree. So, I think I think that's a very good point. Yeah, that's a very good point because he was there, and he was there the same day I was, which was which was even weirder. That was March 2020. He was as I was leaving, he was about to do the show with Joe, and I met him. And I'm like, hey, wow, I, I forgot about that. And I know, and that you know, it wasn't. This was a few days before. It was. I remember people were wearing masks at the airport, and I remember specifically because I landed at LAX, and people were wearing Gucci and you know Louis Vuitton masks. I'm like, okay, I'm in LA. Um, so <laughs> or I, or Miami. Was, I've learned that exists. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but those are knockoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, pr so prior to COVID, it was obvious uh, that tensions in in the U.S. were kind of escalating. Do you do you attribute that to a culmination of things like the Patriot Act, the War on Terror? A bunch of things or is there something that stands out above the pile that like that makes you go this is this is why our culture are you know basically we stopped congealing as a nation um i think that we were in trouble for a, quite a while already uh and it was simmering under and uh president trump brought or gave everyone license to speak Mm -hmm. uh which was you know i grew up in america we don't talk about religion and politics because i want to hang out with you right and, and that's how i grew up and you really didn't do that you know it's like ah that guy you know he, he does he thinks this or whatever but i like him we'll go play ball have a cookout etc i can work with him we were yeah. always very courteous and in fact i think americans in general uh were super courteous like hey you know i don't want to offend you man i just want you to have your life and do whatever you want to do and i'll do my thing and everybody's fine mm -hmm. and it was that it's that thing that we are as americans that has been played against us mm -hmm. so and and in the worst possible way um by playing a racism tactic and this is what's been very destructive now where this comes from that's definitely evil insertion because it's happening everywhere around the world in the netherlands they started it five six seven years ago with the black peats with the uh, saint nicholas um and their whole angle was well you guys you know you were colonialists and uh, you all the all all the people from suriname reparations i mean does it ring a bell so yes. <laughs> and this all came from united nations and really i think people who are educated in a certain manner with revisionist history, not saying one version of history is better than the other, but revisionist without anyone else really knowing it. And uh, all of a sudden you wake up and then what's being taught in, uh, in schools, now we see people who were educated in our universities teaching uh, middle school and it's America sucks yep. and we're no good. And so that's where it comes from. But as I alluded to earlier, go back up the chain. It comes from the big, the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Carnegie, um, all of these groups um, who say, all right, you know, let's get some, uh, let's get some money into the system and let's give you some education, but it has to be social justice, uh, in, you know, climate, environment, um, 
equity, right. <laughs> you know, go on, go on, go on. So that, I think that caught us by surprise. Again, uh, it's not like we didn't know it, but all of a sudden we all had to look at our own asshole during this, during this pandemic as Americans really had to look at our own asshole. Right. And, and it was not pretty because holy shit, what did we do? Can I curse on your show? Is that? Oh okay? yeah. Yeah, please. Like, what did we do? Just like I said, I wasn't paying attention to the, the idiots who wanted to run for school board. I was out changing the world. I thought doing my own thing. Right. I wasn't paying attention to that. Um, didn't really, now I did not, uh, I did three months of college. My daughter never felt like it. I do have two stepdaughters. They're fucking disappointed, you know? And, and, and so now they're like 20, the one, the oldest is 26. So here's their life born, um, while we were at the, already in the Gulf war, the first one, uh, then, uh, nine oh, 11. Then now these kids are eight, nine years old. Um, that's traumatic. Uh, then we invaded the wrong country. Uh, okay, whatever. Six and, of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, you know, and then these kids saw older siblings leaving, going off to war. You know, the imagery at the same time, rise of the internet, uh, the smartphone. So inundated with a lot of negative stuff. Um, uh, there's a whole bunch of other influences in that regard. But then, uh, then we get the, the big financial crisis. And don't worry, we're going to fix everything and just get your, go to school, get your degree and people come out of school and they're getting paid $13 an hour. They've got a hundred thousand dollars of debt and they're being told they're going to die in 10 years. Yep. So what did, what did we expect? And then you lock them in their house for 18 months. Sounds like a fucking great plan. I, I mean, this, this is what, this is what makes me think that it's more orchestrated because like you go back to the Ford foundation and all these, these big boys that are funding the education. Right. And it seems to me that you only do that. If either a you're a true believer, which they might be, or B you do it because it benefits you. And I think that if you're going to do it because it benefits you, you're doing it to divide the, to, to divide the nation, to divide the people so that you can then be basically a, a more powerful source that sits, sits above the, the disarray. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there, but that's that. I have, paired... a thought. I have a thought. Go for it. And it's the thought that is based on what all these groups always, always, always come back to too many people. Mm -hmm. all the elite groups their basic tenet is there's too many people yep. and either we have to kill a lot of people which work pretty well with the world wars uh, or we have to control them some other way mm -hmm. and the reason for that is otherwise they will mess it up and they'll we'll lose our money and they'll come for our heads mm. and i think it's that simple um, and then there's a lot of foot soldiers who, who and so I did uh, George Soros, perfect example. That's a foot soldier. Bill Gates is a foot soldier. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, Jamie Dimon is a foot soldier and these, these are all foot soldiers and they're all in the, all in the clubs and they're all on the boards and they're all in the, in the big NGOs. And, uh, so yeah, like, you know, I think you're right that there's coordination at that level. So for instance, Afghanistan, you know, this, this worldwide, all of a sudden there's refugees in every single country in the world, not just America. I mean, there's the Netherlands, like, well, there's only 17 million people in this country. It's smaller in Rhode Island. It used to be 14 until they opened the floodgate floodgates for the, uh, um, 
where they come from mainly from uh not from uh, morocco but they uh, yeah from uh, morocco Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, but like the hills of Morocco. So millions of people streamed in and now living there and it's been ghettoized and the whole thing sucks. And now it's like, well, we'll bring in some Afghans. Well, how many? Well, maybe 40,000. But who? Shut up. This is not about absolute numbers. This is about humanity. Right. So they don't even know how many people are going to be brought in and why. And when I hear uh, the IRC, Dvorak played some clips from that, the International Rescue Committee. corporation i think it's called an ngo which is filled with douchebags and who get paid for every single person they rescue they're out looking for uh interpreters people who speak uh uh multiple afghan dialects to communicate with these refugees what i thought that these were the interpreters we were bringing back what the heck this is lies this is lies so that's coordinated. Why? I don't know. Because they got to keep the money flowing because it's cheap labor, because it's democratic voters. I think everybody has, has their own, you know, their own, uh, their own, their own reasons for it, but that's like the border, the border. Um, I've helped people get legal here. Mexicans now full Americans or green card holders. Um, and I say, well, how, you know, how'd that work? And you came here 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, but then there were companies down at the border with vans like, hey, you want to come work? Come over here. And they just walked and got in the van and worked and it was fine because it wasn't, it, it was not, uh, it was different. And it was yes. just come on over and hang out. And so, you know, it wasn't like the borders were locked down then. And it was completely to behoove the mainly, I would say, California uh, fruit pickers and that kind of stuff. But, you know, like who are we kidding <laughs> so we we need we have to fix a lot of things and i think that what's good now is um let's get it all out there let's show everything let's see all of the of the the horrible horrible stuff and we're seeing a lot of it we're seeing the corruption we're seeing oh guess what those guys the federal reserve they were they were buying right alongside with the shit they were buying with our money okay corrupt um you know we're Incredible. seeing the in, the influence of china in our uh, education system in our uh, healthcare system. Uh, we have serious questions about what they were doing and what were we doing with them? And wait a minute, who was really paying for everything? Mm-hmm. So the Americans, I have, a, I get put a lot of faith in the American people. Uh, they're not stupid. You know, we may be a little slow, but we'll f- we're figuring it out and we're figuring out what's, what's really going on. And then, you know, my advice is, um, I mean, I really love the kids who are trying to blow it all up and and put Bitcoin in place. And they may actually actually get help from, uh, you know, some unsuspected sources. I mean, George Soros may be trying to kill the dollar the way he killed the pound. uh, And he may see Bitcoin as his hedge. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) That could could happen too. Uh, But at least that that would be more fair. You know, there'd be more people to play in the game. That's true. But man, I really hope Soros doesn't make another billion dollars off of Bitcoin. Um, I wanted to bring up, as you were mentioning, you know, how they're talking about uh, having refugees come in under humanitarian excuses. Well, it's pretty ironic that the reason that they're refugees is because of our humanitarian bombs that we dropped on them. I mean, that you weren't really concerned about humanitarianism back for the past 20 years as we made these people's lives hell. But then also, so once again, they're using our, our principles against us. They use the humanitarian principle when in fact, it's just about power and money as it usually is. But then also the latest uh, you know, conundrum in the libertarian sphere has been that they basically are now using the libertarian belief in private property rights to get us to allow for 
employers to mandate vaccination. Um, do you see that similarly that they are, they don't, I mean, the government, the, these politicians, they don't value private property rights. They just locked us in our houses for 18 months. They couldn't let you open your business. They didn't allow uh, us to foreclose or evict, evict tenants. They don't value property rights at all. But, but all of a sudden, these Democrat politicians come out and say, well, what about private property rights? You have to allow the business to, to mandate this. I mean, it's just so manipulative. And, and I, I feel like people aren't seeing through it, that they basically, they use our principles against us to control us. And it's, I don't know how you deal with it without losing your principles yourself, but I just hope that people are starting to wake up to that fact. Well, if you, I mean, I, I really am a big fan of uh, Professor Matthias Desmet, who uh, has explained quite eloquently how we are in uh, what he calls a mass formation event or mass hysteria. And he's a professor in psychology with a, a, a whole nother master's in statistics, which is how he came to see that something was wrong with the numbers they were showing us. And, uh, and he says, you know, this, all the elements we needed for mass hysteria would, were there. And this, this, uh, this hypnosis, this formation, this hypnosis that people are under, he says, is equal to uh, medical hypnosis that they use uh, before surgery. You can, you can cut into somebody and they won't even feel it. And wow. this is because of the combination of going into it, not being happy. C cannot say that people were happy in 2019. There was a lot of stress and unhappiness and an election and bull crap going on. And uh, a lot of people take antidepressants uh, with who knows what the ultimately what those things do long term. Sure. We don't really know SSRIs. And uh, so then you throw people into solitude. This is another like, whew, this is a big flag on the on the hypnosis scale. Then you give someone that everybody while they're in solitude an immediate reasons to be completely connected, which you do with a mask. Um, and, and what's fun about this is that the so-called leaders, they're also in the hip, in the hypnotic state and they mm. actually get more narrow-minded and focused and go completely apeshit, uh, on anything like OCD to the max on anything. That's where you get two masks, three masks. Mm. Um, now is part of that a fealty test? Maybe that's the Dvorak's concept that, Hey, they're testing us out. Well, yeah, of course, of course they are. You know, I don't know if that was the original intent. And I think people start out by really meaning well, but when you can't see the obvious fallacy of my body, my choice, where, yeah, it applies to a woman who wants an abortion, but it doesn't apply to a woman who doesn't want a mandatory vaccination. Right. You know, so, you know, that, it, that means that people are not thinking rationally. So, um, and of course, I'm always interested. Okay, that's great. Thanks, professor. Now, how do we get out of it? And he says, the only way is you cannot stop talking. You have to keep speaking your truth. Mockery is really helpful. Right. Mockery is, you know, memes, all this stuff. Let's go. Let's go. Brandon is, I'm fucking love it. Let's go. Brandon is the best. We, <laughs> by the way, let's go, Brandon. Um, <laughs> let's go, Brandon. So um, these things have to uh, have to continue. And, you know, I, I agree with you on what you're saying, but they didn't lock us down. We let ourselves be locked down. We Fair let point. it happen. We yes. let it happen. And, you know, I live in a small town now in the, in Texas Hill country, and they've got a little, uh, you know, uh, city council and they recently passed an ordinance or whatever it's called. Uh, we are now a sanctuary city for small business. Never again will the federal government shut down a business in our town. Oh, ever that's again. Enormous. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Wow. Or, or or the state government, 
we we will fight against the state. Wow. That sure. is huge. Sure. Now, hopefully that won't happen, but yeah. No, no. I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm saying wow is in a good way. I'm thrilled. Yeah. I mean, this, this is that, the type that's of what it takes, but it's yeah. all local now. So we've, we've got to be thinking local, change your local, change your local. That, that's why I love the, the school board meetings. Me too. These are important. Which know, is exactly this, why they're trying to label them terrorists because they realize that it's important too. Yeah. And that just may be more posturing than anything, but who, who sure. knows? It doesn't matter. They said it. It sucks. It's horrible. Yeah. It's like, oh they, yeah, no, uh, these people are dangerous. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, they, they list list PTA moms as terrorists. They're listing libertarians as terrorists. It's well, I'm sure you incredible. saw the uh, the Southwest Airlines. You know, there's a post to someone saying, oh, you know, it's like you do this, then you really move to uh, you're now a domestic terrorist. Yeah, that was the Palmer you're, you're, report. Yep. The Palmer report. Right. So a scumbag. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so well, well, but, well I was going to, I was going to say, we can lighten this up a little bit. I want to know who is, is John C. Dvorak your handler or are you his? No, no, we have our own handlers. No, <laughs> no. He, uh, he's not very good at it. If he's trying to handle me, not I was going to say, I don't think anybody can handle you. How's your wife handling? She, she is, she's really, she's really fantastic. She is uh, an Uber producer. She goes deep on all. She's always said like all day long. Check this out. Look at this. Oh my god. Look at this. Yeah. You know, now we do. We bounce off. She's really a great sounding board. You know. I'll say okay. Let me try and explain this. Tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. So I get to mansplain her, and then she gets to tell me if it's good or any not good or not. I love um, it. And I try it all my jokes. I'm always I'm, the first <laughs> thing I say. Did was it, I, I heard the show? Did you laugh? Did you laugh? I just I want to be a comedy show. That's 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 always been my intent. Just make it more fun. Well, yeah, I, that actually leads me perfectly into this. I, first, I wanted to commend you for for covering such dark topics, but managing to maintain levity and and a seeming joy about all of this. What what keeps you hopeful? I mean, besides Bitcoin, you seem to just be a relatively optimistic person in the face of a lot of really shitty news, and that always amazes me. I'm, I've always been an optimistic guy. Um, once I learned that women don't want the problem solved right away. Uh, I learned <laughs> that I can uh, uh, always look at any situation in a positive light. I'm always looking for a solution. A problem for me is I'm immediately in, in problem-solving mode. Um, I've had incredibly rich experiences with, um, with, with, with people throughout, throughout my life. Uh, You've had I'm an incredible think, life, by the way. I'm trying to think how I can bring this all around. Um, but you know, it's it's the people in my life who really make me who I am, and that's you know not just the uh, the people in in my direct surroundings, but it's the people I'm talking to all the time, and it's so personal. So I'm sharing, I'm not really sharing bad news. I'm sharing personal stuff from people that that, that you know because that's where the, the the bulk of our information comes from. You know, we have the best produce. We never considered people listeners. You're a producer. You know, the best producers in the business. Everybody has an expertise in something. And once you say, "Hey, what is it you're really good at?" and if that topic comes up, let me know. You know, then you get really, I think, pretty decent information. Um, you're essentially so- crowdsourcing in your your show i mean it's it's really it is a really powerful thing i mean the the producer letters that you get are from some of the smartest people in individual industries it's it's incredible yeah yeah I, i've never underestimated who who's listening and, and yeah. that's always been good um so what 
is helpful to me is marijuana. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that is very useful for me because, you know, when, when I know, okay, like every day I have to sit down for at least an hour just to go through the, the emails okay. uh, and, and show days themselves. And, you know, I'm up at 5.30, so I'm prepping for six hours before we actually start. Um, I find wow. it a lot easier to just float through it if uh, if uh, a little micro dosage got you know I have two vapes this is my this is that the party vape and uh, um, although I I do like the burning the flower myself sure. and that's uh, and that has helped me uh, tremendously but I grew up with that I grew up in Amsterdam so right. you know that's it's almost like I'm not much of a drinker uh, I don't need any of that it just I think the uh, marijuana can yeah, can definitely help you understand or be more open to things because uh, there's yeah. also lots of people who disagree with something we've presented or um, there's also a lot of people who are really, really fucking frustrated and take it out on me. Yes. And, and, yep. and I'm able to see, I love those notes, by the way, they'll be like, yo, bro, why are you so mad? You know, let's, let's, let's and I go back and forth. And before you know it, you, you learn something about somebody, you know, my dog died and fuck my wife, you know, then my ex-wife and my kids and like, okay. Now let's talk about what you were saying, you know, and I like people. I like building community around stuff. It's fun. Yeah. It's very rewarding. And, you know, I think, cause you were talking earlier about, will I be, will I be remembered for, for podcasting? I would think more for value for value as a concept. Yeah. Cause that, that really, um, podcasting 2.0 puts it into a technical form that enables more people to understand it. Yes. Uh, and, and, and Bitcoin has these inherent properties of philanthropy mm -hmm. um, because, and I can try to explain that, you know, if you hold Bitcoin, you really don't want to spend it. You know, it's like, sometimes you have to, like, I got to spend a little Bitcoin or I, I got to get some fiat fund coupons, some cuck bucks. I got to do something in the real world where they don't understand me. Um, <laughs> but in general, you know, I like having it, but you don't, you're much, it's much tougher to part with. I think that's because you know that, well, if I don't spend it now in like a month, it's going to be worth more money. So exactly. I have it's real a deflationary currency. Yeah. Right. So giving someone some Bitcoin is a, a humongous gift. Mm -hmm. And it is most likely the gift that keeps on giving if they hold on to that gift. So um, there's something about Bitcoin in general that, that works into the psyche, but we have a something in our DNA or our whatever, however we've been programmed that we like doing things for other people when they do something for us. And uh, we're creating a, a show, a, a three hour thing, and it's basically just an MP3 and you can play it and you can listen to it. And if you're listening to it and you found it valuable because I don't know, you laughed, you learned something, um, you had a different, it was a different take. I don't know what it was. It kept, got, kept your mind off of your dead dog. I don't know what the, what, it, if it was valuable, how valuable was it? And what can you do for me? Mm -hmm. And that's all I ask. And, and by the way, nothing today, no value. It's fine. I know, it's fine. It's okay. Then it wasn't <laughs> valuable enough. It's that simple. I can't tell you how valuable this is. And then when I start extrapolating that, say, but this is kind of crazy. Silicon Valley has, has, has taken away our, our ability to price things. So you know, my example is, uh, I want to hold your hand. It's one of the best love songs ever. I love that song. 99 cents determined by Steve Jobs and Apple. Um, I, I would pay $99 for it every mm. single time, you know, mm. but I'm not, I'm not even allowed to think that way. So when you tell people, please think in those, in those terms and 
um, in order to make this work because it, uh, the budgets and the way podcasting has just turned out to be and just the way audiences are now completely distributed, it's no longer, no one's going to be the king of all media anymore. Um, you know, you can't hire producers and editors, so you have to do that stuff yourself. But I also can't do enough to, to do, to deliver the output we do. So I need you to give me one of three things, time, talent, or treasure, preferably all three, if you got them. Right. Uh, but that's it. And if, if we're lacking on the time, if, if people aren't putting it like, I said, where's all my submariner guys? We have a damn sub that's crashed. I know four of you at least have been <laughs> on subs for 20 years. Where's my info? Right. You know? Or hello, Southwest. Now, it turns out the, the, the pilot guys, certainly the Southwest Airline guys, they can't talk about it legally and they can get in some real problem. And so I, I understand why that's all quiet. Um, but also uh, talent, you know, we, uh, we have artists do artwork, compete with each other for every single show. And we, we, we give real honest feedback. Yep, you know, you we're saying, hey, this sucks or this was great or this <laughs> didn't make the cut. And then, of course, if we're, if we're, if we're light on money, we, and all, look, all we spend it on is rent or, or we have mortgages. Luckily, we spend it on our families. We, we don't really go anywhere. You know, we don't really do much with it. I'm not sitting right. on the pile of cash. Um, but uh, we so we'll say, hey, we, we need more money. So send more of that. Uh, right, otherwise, right. we can't bring you the same value. And if people won't do it, then it ends. And that's what makes it so cool. It's like, yep. you know, it's like, will this ever end? No, I don't. One of us will die. You know, that's, that's the end. That's the ultimate exit strategy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you just answered, you just answered my final question. You I think, are such I a think pro. it is. I think, that, I think that is, that is, that has to be the exit strategy. And we, we talked about it recently. I said, I think that's it. You know, then the show has to end. You can't do no agenda with somebody else. You can't do it with someone instead of me. You can't do it with someone instead of John. It just, it just wouldn't be right. Uh, well, but that's well, not then, to say that then, the community then, May, may long live both Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, because I, I need another 25, 30 years out of you guys, please. Oh, man, can you imagine <laughs> me still doing, uh, like, John going, hit it! <laughs> hit It'd be it. incredible, come on. And the Zephyr will be 800 cars long, <laughs> he'll be counting there, like, the Zephyr, because, you know, by then, it'll just... <laughs> well, the Zephyr, uh, the Zephyr by then will be... Uh, We'll be on it, and it'll be headed to uh, San Quentin or something. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It'll be like Snowpiercer. We'll, we'll actually be on the Zephyr, and we can't stop, or we all die. Um, <laughs> no, but it's it, it, this has been the the most uh, f just phenomenal time of my life, professionally, uh, also personally. Uh, I, I'm certainly in a real good place. I got real good people around me, but also just all the hundreds of thousands of people who participate in uh in our podcast but in the whole scene in general so how did i get here you know we got some no agenda people they're in the, the no agenda tribe they cross over into into the liberty lockdown tribe right. we got people connecting us you got no booker i don't have a, i don't have an agent you know we nope. had our people our yep. people are out there manny talking to manny and it's like hey let's get these guys together and it happens and i think this is what people need to recognize and and maybe study a little bit mainstream is broken. Hollywood is broken. They can't, and the lockdowns did it, that, that, that finalized it. So, and I, and I just look at ratings. I mean, I know how television and radio works and it's done. They're toast. They can't, I mean, the first uh, season opener for SNL wasn't bad. I watched it. Owen Wilson, pretty good. 
50% lower than last season. So they bring in the big guns, Kim Kardashian. I got to say, with Halsey, got to say, good show. I liked it. Now, I watched it on Hulu last night. I can't watch that shit Saturday night with commercials. Mm-hmm. You see, their model is broken. People are so spoiled now. And the same will go for podcasts. You know, you could put your commercials at the front of the podcast. That's fine. Everyone skips it. Everybody knows it. I guess the advertisers still, it still works somehow because they're, they're putting up with it. And I'm not against advertising, but it just doesn't seem an efficient way to do it. Sure. Um, so the numbers are not there. So what did, what did they get? Three million, four million people. Kardashian even made a joke. She said, I got 50 million people on Instagram. So it's great to be here at your little TV show where you get what, <laughs> 10 million? That's what she said. And it was a third of that. It made it even worse. <laughs> Olympics, total mess. Every single award show, nothing. The, the, Hollywood has no influence. Our yep. influencers are influencing us. Now, there's other problems with that. Um, because, I mean, I think TikTok, that has taken kids who used to listen to Top 40 radio and record the songs, you know, with the, with the tape deck. And let's, I want to get right. the song without the DJ talking over the intro. It has put that, that it's like now it's top 40 radio. We're not, the song's not, not even three minutes long. Now they're 30 seconds and you can do it too. And you can do the dance. And then he's my dog. I mean, fucking baby's cute. And oh, I love the cake. And it's, <laughs> it's like, and, and it goes with the drugs the kids are on. Pay attention to this. The yeah. 60s, LSD. We had Sergeant Peppers. We had the whole hippie movement. You know, then we got into, you know, we got kind of in, the weed speed, we went to, we got disco. Then we kind of got hardcore with uh, really weird drugs with punk, um, you know, them cocaine, uh, heroin. And now we've kind of, when you look at techno and house and raves, that's MDMA and Molly. That's and Ritalin. The same thing. This TikTok is the fucking Ritalin TV. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Vivance, Ritalin, these kids are jacked on meth. And it's <laughs> oh, great. And it's great. And so these things go in tandem. That's seriously, listen to hip hop radio, hip hop radio, man. It's, it's way, way other drugs. Shit. I haven't even heard of like, you know, like gin and juice and all this stuff. They got, they're doing cough, cough syrup and it's like crazy ass meth drinks, hip hoppers, man, and massive blunts. So that's their culture. That's the hip hop culture with, with, you know, with more with weed, but also some heavy ass, uh, uh, psychogenics. Right. Um, yeah, you know, so pay attention to those things that goes along with it. You know, it really does. It's a, and I think Bitcoin is mushrooms. I think Bitcoiners are mushroom and weed uh, people. I love that analysis. That is so great. And, and I happen to be a huge fan of what I will now refer to as old English 40 ounce hip hop. That is, <laughs> that's the genre. That's the era that I listen to. Um, 40. That's all you need. That's right. That's, that goes back to our days. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much. Uh, please. This is, this is the only show that I will say definitively is consistently significantly better than Liberty Lockdown. If you are not a no agenda <laughs> subscriber, supporter, patron, uh, producer, you are making a huge fucking mistake. God bless Adam Curry. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, let's uh, let's keep this going, man. Let's let's catch up in uh, in a couple of months again. See, see where we're at. Oh, you're, you're the man. I really appreciate it. Coming up this week, we have the great Julia Song, Josh Denny and Ian Crossland. Coming up after that, you got Eric July, Zuby, Dave Rubin, a whole bunch of other enormous names. Luis J. Gomez. It's going to be wild just because Adam came on the show. 
We now have an opportunity to support this show via Bitcoin. I have signed up for Podcasting 2.0. I will be leaving a link in the description for this episode so that you can do so if you see fit. Along the lines of what Adam and I talked about, if you see value in this show, as you guys know, I'm not destitute. I'm doing fine. But if you see value in this show, all I'm using with any support that I receive is to grow it. That's all I'm doing. So if you believe in this message, if you think it should reach more people, by supporting this show, you will help me in doing exactly that. I'm being 100% honest. This is not about you know some cash cow profit-making enterprise. I am literally pumping every single dollar I make from this show back into growing it and back into uh, a studio, which I want to do a really world-class professional in-person studio so that I can have some of the greatest minds in the world in the Liberty space, come in and talk to me in person, try and do kind of a Tim pool like thing. So this is your opportunity to support it. Also, if you want to rock a shirt with my face on it, there's another link down below to Teespring. Uh, you can have my face. You can have ones without. If you think I'm ugly, that's fine. I don't take it personally. If you support the show, I could care less. Lastly, if you ain't got no money, no time, can't do anything for me, that's fine. But what you can do is go to iTunes and leave a five-star review. For instance, we've got name, Enik002 says, my new favorite podcast, the sort of uh, bold discussion we need in this, our time of greatest peril. Well, thank you very much, sir. Another five-star review. We are now at 302 five-star reviews. Incredible support that you guys have given me. Uh, really helps with the algos, helps to push the show out there. If you want to, you can go to the YouTube, subscribe over there. It's Liberty Lockdown. You can also comment to help with the algos to bump the show and get more people checking me out. That's all. That's all you got to do. If you love the show... Give a little bit back and I will keep going forever for you because that's how I roll. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode, your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold, where did it come from and where did it go, it requires a fight, not tweet from your phone, don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne, if you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home, the virus is scared of, will come and it'll go, the government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe, like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening, scared Hollywood left these lyrical feminine, a typo with Luke might bring the nooses, we all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses, freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit, knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit A win over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic A rip for 59 Miles to ratio That black guns matter Now all these lefties Got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war But we're ready You know I be bopping And rocks ready Liberty lockdown Please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone But yeah it's on hold Where did it come from And where did it go It requires a fight Not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king Get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought You've always got a home The virus is scared of Will come and it'll go The government knows So don't get treated like a hoe